This won't end well for Illinois. Here's a three. It ended well. McCourt for the win. In the air. It is up. And it is good. Fourth and 16. Pressure comes. Emmanuel Bebe with the ball in the air. Makes the catch. Welcome to Oski Talk. My name is Drew Pastoric. Going to be joined by Plez Honeywood of the Champagne Room here in just a moment. Got a lot to talk about this week on both football and basketball. Getting closer to football season, though, just about two weeks away from opening kick of the 2023 season, year three under Brett Bielema. So I know I'm excited about that. I know Plez is excited about it as well. I'm sure. All the Illini fans listening are excited about it also. So we'll get you primed, ready to go. Some terrific stuff at the Champagne Room that you can read. And we're going to have some fun as well um, with rivalries and teams that we may not like very much at all. So might want to put some earmuffs on the kiddos <laughs> later on in the show. Glad to be joining you today. I'm looking forward to... Uh this conversation that we're about to have and I cannot underscore enough part of this may not be family free so whatever disclaimer we have to run on behalf of the champagne room SB Nation and Vox Media we should make sure we do that um, but first Plez Oski Talk is sponsored by Liddyville LLC great resource for you to support Illini alumni and Illini athletes as well one of the featured items right now at Liddyville.com is a Malik Elzey signed family hat. I've been talking about the hat the last couple of weeks. It's a six panel, officially licensed, embroidered white family hat, F-A-M-I-L-L-Y. And Malik Elzey signed a bunch of those hats and you can get yours at Liddyville.com. I wanted to start with basketball before we dive into to football kind of uh, head first there. Some updates, kind of got a couple of scheduling notes here within the last couple of days. Want to start with the non-conference schedule release. I don't think there's any real change from when you and Brant and myself discussed it uh, a couple of months back. We were waiting to see if Illinois would fill another date in their schedule. I suppose they still could, but they quote unquote officially released the non-conference schedule the other day. And in case you had not seen those dates and those games, I think it's a pretty solid non-conference schedule. You have a few cupcakes in their games that you ought to win fairly easily, but there are some challenges as well. Marquette, probably the most notable. Uh, Illinois actually plays their first seven games at home. So a nice uh, home-friendly schedule to begin the slate. Eastern Illinois, then the Oakland Golden Grizzlies on November 10th, the game with Marquette. The Gavit Games matchup is, I believe, the 14th of November. And then you have the multi-team event with Valparaiso, Southern, and 
the Leathernecks of WIU. That's right around Thanksgiving. Then I think one of the more underrated games, one of the maybe the, the bigger tests on the schedule that people might not be talking about is Colgate. Colgate's going to be in Champaign on the 27th of November, so that Monday after Thanksgiving. And then it's a little weird because Illinois won't play another home game for more than a month. They'll go to Madison Square Garden. They've got the Jimmy V Classic against Florida Atlantic on December 5th. Then they'll travel to Tennessee to play the Vols in Knoxville. So Colgate at home on the 27th of November, FDU December 29th at home, and then nothing in Champaign. So that part's a little weird. They were trying to get a, a game in between Tennessee and Mizzou because you have FAU December 5th, Tennessee on December 9th, and then bragging rights isn't until right before Christmas, December 22nd. So they have a 13-day a window with no games. That can be, it's a real weird part of the schedule. You know, you've already got the, the holiday break or the Christmas break game against FDU, but um, only playing three games in the span of about a month, that's atypical, especially for a power program. But overall, I think it's a, a very solid non-conference schedule. You got Marquette, Colgate, Tennessee, Mizzou, FAU, and FDU. All of those teams made the NCAA tournament last year. We know what FDU did. Are they going to be a tournament team next year? Probably not. They kind of got in on a technicality, which made that whole thing with Purdue even funnier because they shouldn't even have been in the tournament to begin with. They only got in because Merrimack, who won their league, couldn't get in because of the uh, the transition period. So not sure. And then FDU's coach went uh, somewhere else. I forget where. Iona, maybe. Um, to replace Patino. I think he went to Iona. So that's not going to be the same team. But FAU, we know the, the final four run they made. Tennessee, I think, and Illinois are kind of parallel as far as big conference teams that get to the tournament pretty consistently but don't seem to do much when they get there. And then Mizzou, of course, had a nice bounce back year last year getting into the tournament after a couple of down seasons. And Colgate's been a juggernaut in the Patriot League for three or four years. So a lot of tests on this schedule, Plez. What do you think about it? Well, I have to say I'm really looking forward to bragging rights for different reasons than usual. This isn't <laughs> this isn't the Jeremiah Tillman, Mark Smith, I want to get no. Mizzou this year era of the bragging rights game this is dennis gates who is an absolute superstar in the coaching world on the rise i am nervous about him recruiting in illinois backyard he's a, an alum of whitney young magnet high school in chicago so his ties to chicago are unassailable and so seeing him now while he's still on the rise is something that we could all enjoy seeing. This is going to be a tough game every year. And if Illinois can pull that out, that's a good sign about where this team is at that point in the season. I, I love going on the road to Knoxville as well. Rick Barnes has brought the exact same thing to Tennessee that he brought to Texas, which is wearing orange jerseys, recruiting at an extraordinarily high level and then petering out early in the tournament. So Rick Barnes, don't you ever change? And obviously you don't want to play any private college from New Jersey 
as we've seen in recent years, they've all been making runs between, you know, Fairleigh Dickinson, you know, Seton Hall. What was the St. other Peter's, one? I think it was St. Peter's. St. Peter's yeah. Fine, Jesu- Fine Jesuit school up in Jersey City. Like they, <laughs> you don't, you don't want to play these teams. So that, that game makes me a little nervous, but I, I like the multi-team event like we discussed before. It's great to have schools like Eastern and Western playing in Champaign. Southern University is a little bit of an outlier in that particular group. I believe it's Southern University, not Southern Illinois University. A lot of us from Illinois, when we say Southern, we just assume we're talking about SIU, but it's Southern University, which I believe is in Louisiana. I'm fairly certain that it is. Um, Yeah, Baton Rouge, yep. Yeah, they've got a great marching band amazing marching band so but that has nothing to do with this game i was gonna say if it was a marching band competition the marching illini might be in trouble there that could be like a 12-5 upset but (laughs) that i don't suspect that happening on the hardwood though no this this is true so so again i I think it'll be a really fun non-conference we have we obviously have a lot of questions about this roster so this is the kind of non-conference where there will be no doubt whatsoever what this team is capable of after those games because the the barometer of talent that they have to face varies so much that you're going to see is this a team that plays to the level of its competition or is this a game or team like last year who against really good teams could occasionally bring their absolute A game. Again, the Terrence Shannon game is the stuff of legend. So let's uh, let's hope we have more of that in the bag for this season. Yeah, most definitely. And I don't want to forget about Ottawa University either. Don't want to leave them out. That is the Illini's exhibition opponent. That game is October 20th in Champaign as well. So they've got like a two-week gap between that exhibition game and the start of the regular season. They might try to sneak in another opponent there. So you can get more on that schedule. You can review that if you wish at the champagneroom.com. This came about Plez the other day, and I thought this was really cool. Um, we know about the events going on in Hawaii, the wildfires in Maui just ravaging, devastating the state of Hawaii and that area in particular. Brad Underwood and Bill Self got together and organized a little bit of an exhibition game. So uh, I mentioned that. That Ottawa game on the 20th, maybe they'll sneak one in. That's the game they're sneaking in. It's an exhibition game, October 29th, Illinois versus Kansas in Champaign to raise money for Maui relief. So that's that's pretty cool. We know, obviously, what Bill Self has done at Kansas, but for those Illinois fans of a certain age, man, he had some damn good teams when he was patrolling the sidelines in Champaign as well. It's going to be a lot of fun, even though it's it doesn't count for anything. It's still going to be a lot of fun to check that out. I, I think it's great that these two programs could get together for a good cause. And I'm, I'm excited about Bill Self coming back to Champaign for a game. I was a student at the University of Illinois when Bill Self came from Tulsa to Champaign. And I, I know... I know there's a lot of angst. I know I have expressed a lot of that angst, but there is no doubt that Bill Self has a Hall of Fame ring for a reason. He's an all-time great coach. He's an all-time great Illinois coach, even though he wasn't in Illinois for all that long. And that he and and Coach Underwood had the relationship to have 
an exhibition for a good cause between two powerful historical programs. I think that's wonderful. I'm glad that it's happening. It's great that it's happening in Champaign. I really encourage everyone in that area to go out, support for a good cause, and watch some really fun basketball. And let's give Hunter Dickinson yet another <laughs> loss to the fighting Illini. <laughs> yeah, I saw that on Twitter. It was like, so either way, it's either Hunter Dickinson loses to Illinois and finishes his career 0-5, or Kansas beats Illinois and that game doesn't count anyway. So, <laughs> so it's really a lose-lose for Hunter Dickinson. That's great. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll, one other thing, keep look, please be watch Luke Goody in this game. Oh, last yeah. time Illinois played Kansas, that's it right. cost Luke Goody most of last season, and he's a key piece of this year's team. So please be careful, Luke. Um, yeah, so it's going to be October 29th. It's 5 p.m., at State Farm Center, <clears throat> sorry, Assembly Hall, and it will be televised. The revolution will be televised, as will this game. That's going to be on BTN. So that's that's awesome. Probably one of the most watched exhibition games you're ever going to see. And again, the, the money from the game will be uh, donated to the Hawaii Community Foundation Maui Strong Fund. This is some pretty cool stuff there. You can read more about that at thechampagneroom.com. Wanted to circle back real quick to what you said regarding Bill Self, Plez. He is one of the best Illini coaches ever, despite only being in Champaign for three seasons. He came in in 2000 after Lon Kruger left. So he was there for the 2001 season, 0102, and 0203. During that time, Bill Self was 27 and 8, 26 and 9 and 25 and seven. Could I interest you in that, sir? Yeah, I think, again, the next coach who has a streak like that will have a statue built for them in Champaign. It's for all the angst and for all the anger we have towards him for leaving. Man, was it great while he was there. Like he, he's, he solidified the Peoria thing and helped recruit the bridge to yeah. The D Brown, the D Brown era. So it was the best of both worlds for that era. Yes. And I saw this on Twitter. Uh, Sean Harrington, former Illini guard, tweeted this out. And then Robert Rosenthal, who's a tremendous follow for all things Illini, piggybacked on it. But Sean Harrington mentioned that Bill Self was 39 and one at Assembly Hall. 39 and one in his tenure at Illinois. 39 and one in three seasons. And Robert Rosenthal did kind of a pop quiz on Twitter. Do you know that one game that Illinois lost? I'm going to hate myself, but I don't remember it. Michigan State, Super Bowl Sunday, 2002. Of course it was Michigan State. Um, <laughs> okay, so uh, also just want to put this out there. This may not be the only reference to Michigan State basketball in this podcast. <laughs> yes. 39-1 and one at Assembly Hall, though, in three seasons. By the way, uh, Bill Self also at Allen Fieldhouse since he's been at Kansas. 292 wins, 16 losses. So that means between his stints in Champaign and Lawrence, Kansas. Bill Self is 331 and 17 at home. 
winning percentage of 95.1. Again, I ask you, Mr. Plez Andrew Honeywood, could I interest you in that? Every single day and twice on Sunday. <laughs> I hope that's not as good as it gets, but you're not going to find too many teams like that string just in the nature of college basketball, you're not going to find a lot of 27, 26, 25 win seasons in a three-year span. That's just very, very hard to do unless you're uh, a Kansas or uh, a Kentucky or you know one of those true blue blood programs. It's just really hard to do. Or if you're a group of five program that's really, really good, like Gonzaga will put right. up years yeah, like that sure. frequently. But, yeah. but to your point, at a power five school, that's tough. Yeah. Probably talked about Bill Self a little more than I thought we would, but uh, it, it's worth mentioning. That's a cool event, like we said, benefiting the the Maui Strong Fund to help them out. Um, and it's going to be cool to watch IU, IU, Jesus Christ, KU, and the University of Illinois. I've got IU on the brain, much like you have Michigan State on the brain. We're going to get to all that here in, in a moment. Uh, so shifting gears now. Uh, I want to go to something uh, now. Now we're on the football side of things here, and want to go to something that you had to put together at the Champagne Room earlier this week, talking about Brett Bielema and how he can make Liddyville a reality. We talked about Liddyville LLC being a sponsor of the podcast. You've got your Liddyville T-shirt on. Shout out to Thad Ward. Um, but I just wanted from from your own lips, you know, kind of what's in the piece and describe the contents of that, what it means to you and what you were thinking when you put that together. Liddyville was supposed to be an attitude that was pervasive throughout the University of Illinois football program. It was an exuberance. It was a passionate enthusiasm and it was fun. It was making college football fun for the players and fun for the fans. It was, it was a slogan that young fans could latch onto and that young players would be excited by. In the midst of all this Liddyville, Liddyville talk the first time around, Marquez Beeson and Isaiah Williams committed to the University of Illinois. Now, we can debate how the Marquez Beeson thing worked out in Champaign, but as a prospect, he was an elite player. Both of those guys could have gone to any number of top, top programs. All the schools in Texas especially wanted Beeson badly. Michigan and Alabama wanted Isaiah Williams, but only Illinois wanted him to play quarterback. So it meant something. And when Lovey Smith was head coach, you know, Lovey's not a rah-rah guy. So Liddyville didn't really – take hold of the program when Lovey was in charge because again Lovey is not the enthusiastic you know walking on walking down the sidelines getting in people's faces yelling and being excited but you know who is that guy Brett Bielema and you know who has a staff full of those guys Brett Bielema and I think what Liddyville was intended to be could exist now and it's an exciting thing for fans, especially because there are some players on this roster for fans to get so excited about. And these are guys who are going to produce those moments that we were waiting for with Lovey Smith. And it's time for this fan base to finally like get super pumped 
about the program and the individuals in that program. So cheer as loudly as you want, be as cocky as you want about how talented Malik LD is. Enjoy the Crutes brothers being intense, tough fighters. Enjoy Jim Leonard's influence on the program. Enjoy Thad Ward being back, bringing that energy back to Champagne, where where we wish it never it never left. So my my point is, Liddyville is something that that they had created in Champagne, but it's really for the fans. So I am excited about this season, and I want the fan base to be as hyped to get hyped and stay hyped for this season. That's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, you you list a lot of great attributes there, Plez, and I hope you do, uh, if you're listening, go to the champagneroom.com and, and check out that piece. You mentioned youthful exuberance in your piece, and you followed up with, what about Lovey Smith screams youthful or exuberance? And that's, I think, to your point, what you just mentioned. Yeah, he's not that rah-rah guy Brett Bielema is, and he's surrounded himself with a young crop of assistant coaches as well. And Brett Bielema himself is a fairly young head coach as well at 53. Uh, great stuff again, Plez, at thechampagneroom.com. And speaking of Liddyville, Oski Talk is brought to you by Liddyville LLC. You can get officially licensed Illini merchandise, which helps support Illinois athletes and alumni. One of the featured items on the site right now is the Malik Elzey signed family hat. So just like Liddyville with the ILL, you've got family with ILL also. Malik Elzey, one of the uh, bright spots, one of the uh, highly touted incoming freshman recruits. Autograph some hats for Liddyville, and you can purchase yours if you're interested at Liddyville.com. You can support other sports, other athletes as well. And again, uh, you're helping out some alumni also. Go to Liddyville.com and check out what they got and place an order. So now, Plez, we're going to shift. Uh, well, we're going to stay with football, but we're going to get into... Uh, it's going to be kind of an amalgamation. So we got a little bit of football, a little basketball this year. James, one of our new guys, newer guys here at the Champagne Room, put together uh, an article as well at the Champagne Room, specifically talking about Purdue. And it sort of goes back to what we talked about for the last few weeks with realignment and restructuring and the westward expansion of the conference. You're going to need to find some new rivalries because a lot of the traditional rivalries are going to go away. And he posited that Illinois needs a new rival and that Purdue could be that rival. Now, if you recall a couple of, I guess a couple of months ago, when the Big Ten revealed their new scheduling format and the protected games, Purdue was one of those for Illinois. And it makes sense geographically. They're the closest Big Ten school to Illinois. So there's obviously a tie in there. The games have been competitive of late, both in football and basketball. So there's definitely a, an intense growing rivalry. So I, I don't think Purdue is a bad choice necessarily. And James goes into great detail about why it works, location being one of them, the programs being on similar trajectories and the recent history of both programs. They were formerly very downtrodden and near the bottom of the league in every possible respect, you know, attendance, fan support, 
wins and losses, and they've you know tried to improve. They've each made nice strides and forget about the fact that you've got the, uh, the coaching swap now with Ryan Walters, formerly the DC at Illinois, now the head coach at Purdue. That's going to add some Sriracha to the mix to steal a Stacy King reference there. But I think he makes some good points. Uh, I wouldn't agree wholeheartedly that they should be the quote new rival, but there's certainly some advantages to having Purdue as a rival. Plez, what do you think? Without giving too much away, I, I, I think that Illinois and Purdue are very similar schools. They're, they're geographically and regionally similar. Academically, both schools are known more for business and engineering than anything else. Both often get students from the same geographic areas. And, you know, both schools are known for being basketball schools, more so than football schools. And so I think that they make sense as rivals. I would be interested in what new rivalries will develop over time. But to that point, as as rivals go, it makes logical sense. And I think the coaching staff switch over will add some real heat in the short term. I don't know how it'll affect the long-term rivalry, but in the short term, oh yeah, it's on. It's on between those two schools right now. Yeah, said the coaching change, you know, Ryan Walters coming over to Purdue certainly has fueled that fire. Illinois is in this weird spot, at least on the football side. They don't have like a true rival. You could say Northwestern if you want to, but Northwestern just hasn't had a track record. They've not been good enough historically for that game to really mean a whole hell of a lot. Obviously, you want to beat them, but you want to beat every team that's on your schedule. And it's an in-state thing, so you've got some bragging rights, so to speak. Um, Like, all of the teams, and we talked about this during basketball season, too, with is Indiana a rival of Illinois? Indiana doesn't seem to think so because they have other rivalries. They've got one in their very own state with Purdue. They care way, way more about that than they would ever about Illinois. You know, Ohio State, there's a rivalry trophy with Illinois, the Illibuck, the weird turtle thing. But no one's going to conflate Illinois with Michigan. No one's going to say Illinois is a rival of Ohio State. No, I don't think anyone's really paying that close of attention. and. You know, Wisconsin has Minnesota and they've got Iowa. And like they've got like the, Illinois is kind of in this weird no man's land where there's not a true school in the Big Ten you can point to and say, ah, that's our number one rival. That's the team we want to kick their ass every year. Like it's just they just don't really have a, a good fit. And maybe part of that's just due to not being very successful. I don't know. Um but James does outline some pretty good stuff there and make some good points as to why uh, Purdue could be the next big rival for the Fighting Illini. Would encourage you to read that as well at thechampagneroom.com. That was one of the more popular topics on our social media channels as well. Uh, people just basically responding. It was a question like, is Purdue that rival? And a lot of people were like, no, no. <laughs> and 
to my surprise and delight, a lot of them said Iowa was more of a rival. Uh, certainly that's in my neck of the woods. That's a very important school, very important opponent. And, and they had a lot of comments, a lot of things to say about who they viewed as rivals. Which brings us to this. Uh, just kind of got our wheels spinning amongst ourselves at the champagne room. And I thought this would be really fun. We did our fantasy like starting lineups for basketball a while back and got some engagement there. I'm pretty sure people want to talk about teams they hate or programs they hate or have some disdain for. So that's what this is a lead into, Plez. Hate poll seems kind of nice. I, I like the sound of that. And again, we were discussing amongst ourselves. Uh, we're, we're talking strictly Big Ten. We're going to stay in that lane. There's certainly plenty of other fan bases that we could talk about or teams we could talk about. Uh, but we're going to not do that. We're going to stay clear of that because we could be here for seven hours. And even the most diehard Oski Talk fan ain't got time for that. It can be basketball or football. We're going to stick mostly to those two schools, uh, those two uh, sports, rather. Plez, we'll start with you. Uh, five teams. So it could be football, basketball. Uh, and you can go ascending order, descending order, whatever you want. Um, your hate poll amongst Big Ten foes. How about we alternate and we go back and forth here? I'll, I'm going to go from five to one. So I'll do my five, then you go, and we can go that way. That that work for you? Yeah, I love it. That sounds great. I like that. So we can do a five to one and we'll start with Plez, your number five. So my number five is Wisconsin basketball. Now, let me start by saying that in general, Wisconsin basketball looks like a remake of the movie Hoosiers. And I don't, <laughs> I don't understand how that works in 2023 but they try real hard to make <laughs> that work i which makes me wonder why they didn't recruit brandon pudgeons i, I, really I was just gonna him. say that so but, how do you leave him out of the mix there yeah and tyler harrow <laughs> and, and tyler harrow like you lost out on both of those kids i don't understand this but here Man. we are I, I will also say that frank kaminsky who is an illinois kid is one of the most detestable college basketball players in the last 30 years. He's Tyler Hansborough level <laughs> detestable. He is punchable. Oh, to, man. To be, he's, in terms of punchability versus likability, Frank Kaminsky makes Christian Leitner look like Georgie Bajanishvili. Like, he's <laughs> just so easy to despise. And that whole run... Like when they beat Kentucky in the tournament that one year, those fans oh, would not man. would not shut up about it. So so annoying, and and then there's the, the famous you know Joe Kravinoff, Juwan Howard moment. And I know that Juwan's not the coach of the University of Illinois, but like myself, Juwan Howard's from the South Side of Chicago. So when they had that incident after the game, I wanted Juwan Howard to rear back and give him a real south side ass whooping as opposed to that little suburb slap he gave him. And ever since <laughs> that moment, when, when that fan base has self-victimized, he attacked us, he assaulted us. It made them even more annoying. And it's sad because Madison, Wisconsin 
is one of the most beautiful cities in the Midwest, and it has to be ruined by that whiny baby of a program. So that's my number five. Oh, man, I can't believe I didn't put Wisconsin on my list, man. I can't. Yeah, all that stuff you talked about. Yeah, it's true. Like, and then uh, Ben Brust had his little thing with Illinois. But what did he, did he call Illinois like a bitch ass school or something? What was that on his podcast? And that was right before Illinois just pantsed Wisconsin on national television as well. So, yeah, there's there's a lot going on there. And Brad Davison, another guy who's very uh, punchable. He's in that Christian Leitner, Grayson Allen. <laughs> Why is it always the white guys that are punchable, by the way? No one's ever saying, oh. you know what? Jabari Parker, that's a really punchable guy. No one's ever oh. saying that. Oh, don't worry. Later on in this list, I will desegregate the punchable player <laughs> argument. Don't worry about it. I'm, you know me. I'm equal opportunity. I hit everybody, so don't I worry. Hit everybody, we'll get there. Yes. Um, my number five is going to be Iowa football. Now, again, if you listen to the show, I've talked about it as often as I can. That I'm from Illinois, but I'm right on the border of Illinois and Iowa. I'm part of the Quad Cities. If you don't know where that is, it's sort of Northwest Illinois-ish, about an hour and a half south of Rockford. There were originally three cities in Illinois and one city in Iowa that comprised the Quad Cities. And somewhere along the way, we had to make Iowa feel better about themselves and gave them a second city. So now there's five or six, depending on where you reside. Um, the Quad City area is... Uh, a large swath, basically from like where I'm from in the East Moline area, a little bit farther north. You have Prophetstown, where Brett Bielema's from. That's sort of in that area. It's not the Quad Cities specifically, but you know, it's part of that region. Kind of until you get past like Galesburg, which is on route to Peoria. So there's a good probably hour, hour and a half long drive north to south or north to east to south, whatever. Uh, it's like a little triangle or a trapezoid that that you could say is the QCA. And I'll be damned if like 90% of the people I know from Illinois were Iowa fans. And it just, it's festered in my brain and my heart for years. And, you know, my dad, that's one of the things he was very passionate about. Uh, was his loathing of Iowa. So I'm sure he loved that his son <laughs> wound up living in Iowa, like 20 minutes away from the University of Iowa, and is surrounded by black and gold. But um, his credo, like his mission statement was, I live in Illinois. I'm from Illinois. Why the fuck would I root for any team that's not Illinois? And he might not have said it exactly that way, but... If my mom's listening, it was probably pretty close to that. Um, and that went on for years and years and years. So he he made no bones about that. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just weird growing up. I, I knew more Iowa fans and still do than Illinois fans, even though I lived in Illinois. And the football specifically, I, I've softened a little bit. I, I, I tolerate Iowa now just because of my surroundings. I don't necessarily root for them. I don't hate them as much as I used to hate them, which is why they're further down the list. But 
I just hate the way they win games. Like you'll have an Iowa football game and they'll get five first downs, 75 yards of offense. And you look at the final score and they win like 24 to seven. You're like, how does this happen? How is this possible? Like this goes against everything that you would ever suggest. It goes against any conventional wisdom. They find a way to do it. Kirk Ferentz finds a way to do it by scoring zero points and gaining zero yards. And every year they win like eight fucking games. It's just, it's annoying. And so that's why I have Iowa football as my number five. Yeah, I, I can appreciate the softening your stance because you live in, you live so close to the area that that helps. I was completely anti-Gopher for years. And then as I lived in Minneapolis, St. Paul for longer, I stopped hating the Gophers because I worked with so many people from the University of Minnesota before I started working at the University of Minnesota. But my number four, Iowa football. And I have several reasons. Let me start with all the racism in the football program at the University of Iowa that seemed to just go under the radar for years. They had to settle a multi-million dollar lawsuit for racial discrimination. That does not happen by accident. And they largely rely on a lot of black players, help them win all those games they win. They are successful. I will grant them that. It's a successful program. But then you have Kirk Ferentz and his relationship with Chris Doyle a little little paterno Sandusky situation going on there where you're defending someone who's doing things that are clearly morally reprehensible. And that is something I cannot respect. And I'm sorry, I just think it's ironic that this school had to settle a racial discrimination lawsuit in 2023 and your program plays offense like college football before the forward pass and before the breaking of the color barrier. So I find that ironic. And then the other issue that I can't ignore about Iowa football is the nepotism of it all. It's when you have an incompetent person and drew you and I both worked in corporate America. When you have an incompetent person who fails upward to the level of their incompetence. Oh yeah. That can ruin a team, that can ruin an organization. And I think it seems like the offensive coordinator at the University of Iowa must know the head coach or something because this guy is allergic to scoring points. <laughs> and as, uh... as, much, as much as the moment where the fans stand up and wave at the Children's Hospital is what I think is – the greatest single tradition in all of college football. It is wonderful. And as great of a place as Iowa City is for writers, I make a living as a writer, so that means a lot to me. Iowa football, nah, son, you're not getting away with that on my watch. So Iowa football, for me, is number four. Spoiler, this may not be the last time the University of Iowa is mentioned in this segment of the podcast. Oh, good stuff, Plez. Yeah, the uh, the Nepo baby thing. I will say a lot of Iowa fans are also not fond of, of Brian Ferris. I think they're fine with Kirk Ferris still. Might be 
trying to get him slowly but surely out the door. But uh, yeah, Brian Ferentz, not not a not a big fan. Uh, my number four is Iowa basketball for a lot of the same things we're talking about. Um, you mentioned Wisconsin and their array, their cavalcade of punchable faces. I think there's a couple of boys on the McCaffrey family that could have fit that description as well. Um, I just go back to that, uh, that image a couple of years ago of DeMonte Williams squaring up with Connor McCaffrey. I'm like, oh my God, please, please take a swing at the Peoria kid. Please take a swing at the Peoria kid. I dare you. I, I please, please square up and just, and I just, I just want, DeMonte Williams would have been suspended until the end of time. He probably would have done time, but, but I just, I was like, please, for all that's holy, just see what happens. Like I was like, Connor, you don't know what you're messing with, bro. Illinois fans know that Peoria shit. You don't know that Peoria shit. Like just don't even like Peoria shit, Rockford shit. Southside shit, you don't fuck with it. Like, just leave it alone. Leave it be, man. Leave it be. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that's a big part of it. Just kind of similar to your thoughts on Wisconsin is how I feel about Iowa basketball. And, you know, a lot of like slow, unathletic, <laughs> like white guys. Like, how is this still a thing? Like, how are you? doing this. Um, but then I want to go back to earlier this year with the, uh, the orange crush thing. And I think if anyone just overreacted to that whole thing, it was clearly Iowa fans that overreacted to that and made such a big fucking deal about that. And it was like, it was a prank. Like that's it. It was a prank. That's all it was. It was not like it was fraudulently trying. There's nothing. It wasn't fraud. Like get the fuck over yourselves. Like it was just the stupidest thing. It was this little minor story of like, oh, Illinois tried to pull a fast one on Iowa and Iowa figured it out. And like, that should have been the end of it. And it just turned into this big thing about like, oh, well, Illinois hates children. We're at the University of Iowa. Don't you know how much we love children? We care about children way more than anybody else does. And that's just, it was just like, all right, Illinois took an L. Illinois got caught. They took an L. It's fine. Like, they'll try it again. They'll probably get caught again. It's no big deal. Um, I've convinced myself over the past, like, 10 to 15 years that a lot of Iowa fans only watch Iowa. They don't have a pulse of what anything else is going on in college basketball or football. It's like, well, why can't football get the same recruits as Alabama? Because you're fucking Iowa. That's why. So so that's probably more than even football. That's the team that I want to see Illinois beat the most, if nothing else, than to just stick it to my friends and I can, you know, tease my wife for a couple of days. That has to count for something also. It does. That that Iowa myopia is similar to any fan of any SEC program. Like, they don't know about any football that takes place in the North. 
And when you try to talk to them about it, they're like, well, I haven't watched any of your games. But we watch, we watch Big Ten football, we watch Pac-12 football, we watch SEC and ACC football. We, we try to be well-rounded here. That's what we do. And I'm sorry, Iowa fans, you should probably venture out a little bit more in your football viewing. Please and thank you. Yeah, uh, a lot of a lot of Iowa basketball fans like you care more about the ice cream cones at Carver Hawkeye Arena than you do about the game being played, and it's parallel sort of to like LA Dodger fans. The knock on yep. Dodger fans is like they show up in the fourth and they leave in the seventh. <laughs> Iowa fans will show up an hour late to the game, bitch about that they can't sit down anywhere complain that the fans are cheering too loudly and then they'll turn around and go home to beat traffic like with eight minutes to go in the second half i i agree and i think that's a good uh good segue into my number three school on my list which is a rather recent development because this this would this spot would have been nebraska for years just because of how delusional and stuck in the 1970s that fan base is, but I kind of feel sorry for them now, so I'm going to leave them alone. Purdue football is my number three, and the reasons are many. Um, Number one, Illinois, as we discussed earlier, Illinois and Purdue are very similar schools, so the rivalry is natural. But uh, Ryan Walters and Kevin Kane and Corey Patterson there will be sights pointed at your foreheads now because you jumped ship from one side of the rivalry to another. You are the Wilson Contreras of college football right now, as far as I'm concerned. And I hope you fail, much like Wilson Contreras has failed abjectly in St. Louis. I know that both sides of this rivalry are trying to make it seem as though this is a friendly rivalry. And that's all well and good. But I am fairly confident that behind closed doors, both sides of this rivalry are telling each other, we are going to beat them through the turf. And my prediction is this is going to be one of the most watched Illinois regular season games in a very long time, the Purdue game. And you are going to see intensity. I think this might that might be the week that we see linebacker James Crutes break into the rotation. Why? Why do you think? And by this point in time, I think Illinois might have established a pretty decent season. And so the rivalry will take will take it to a new level, especially after last year, that when Illinois had a chance to possibly put itself in the driver's seat to win the Big Ten West and they couldn't beat Purdue. That was that was a bad moment. And then you lose your head coach and two of your top assistants, especially on the recruiting side, to Purdue. And I I see that as being being pretty intense. And it's gonna be must see TV when those two teams square off this season. It's going to be even more heated than when Illinois plays Purdue at basketball, which is, I don't know how I left them off them off my list, but I think right now, Purdue football, that's sights pointed at the heads of the coaches who left Champaign for West Lafayette. And now, to, to quote a 
one of my favorite people in, my, in the world, my grandmother. Your ass is grass, and Brett Bielema is the lawnmower. <laughs> yes, awesome stuff. Plez, Plez Honeywood, Drew Pastoric here on Oski Talk. We are going through our hate poll. So we're ranking our uh, fan bases slash teams that we dislike the most. We started at five. We're working our way up. If this has been five through four so far, Man, uh, can't imagine what's at the top here, but uh, my number three is going to be Ohio State football. I mean, I probably don't need to explain myself too much with that, but they're the New York Yankees, right? They're the New England Patriots. They are the the team that everybody kind of wants to knock down a peg or two, right? To steal a wrestling reference, they're the... They're the Roman Reigns or they're the John Cena. They're always in the mix. They're always at the top of the card. And you want one of those underdogs, one of those fan favorites, those independent wrestlers to get a push and you know compete at the highest level. Look, Ohio State's great. They're excellent. And I think that's where a lot of the hate comes from. You want to be able to say that you beat them. One of the highlights of Illinois football history is that game where Juice Williams, you know, and the Illini went in in uh, 07, I believe it was, to the shoe and beat Ohio State by just never giving them the ball back. Like they got the, I think they took over with like 12 and a half minutes left or something like that. And it was just conversion, 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 moving the sticks, running the football and just, you know, kind of humiliating Ohio State when they were one of the top teams in the country. I mean, they tried to trademark the word the. Seriously, that's a real thing that happened. That's not me making something up for hyperbole. The Ohio State University tried to trademark the word the. A word that you use in common conversation 8 million times a day. Like, no, that's ours. No, it's not fucking yours. Get the fuck over yourselves. You were talking about Notre Dame last week, Plez, with their their pinky off the glass fan base or alumni base. Like Ohio State, they're one of those teams like all across the country, there's Ohio State fans, right? Fans are front runners. But uh, I think from just a sheer arrogance perspective, and their excellence on the field, I would put Ohio State on my list at number three. The reason there are so many Ohio State fans, well, there are two reasons throughout the country. One, they're a popular bandwagon choice, especially considering how a lot of their players have done in the NFL. So they become a popular bandwagon fan base. Yep. But number but number two, have you ever been to Ohio? It's a godforsaken hellhole. So were you going were you going Joakim Noah on me for a second there? Yeah, like, has oh, anyone no one ever says. said they're going to Cleveland on vacation? <laughs> damn, says, damn wow, right. can't wait to go back to Cleveland or Columbus in this case. Yeah, uh. yeah. So, so I, I completely agree with you. I didn't put Ohio State football on this list because, to me, Ohio State football, while they are completely detestable for all the reasons you specified, they are so great. They, they have been so great for so long that if I put them there, it just – it just looks sad. 
Like I just I would just feel like I looked like a sad, like petty, angry little man who's who's trying to whose arms are not long enough to box with God. That's that's what I feel like when I look at Ohio State football. And plus, that's I my love specialty. Just- I'm a small, okay. petty, angry man. That's the whole point of the show. I, what what I'm trying to say is I love Justin Fields. Okay, so okay, okay. We're, because, we're we're friends again now. We're back. We're back. We're back. I love Justin Fields. So Ohio State's down on my hate list for right now for the time being. So that's that's there. So uh, so now I'm getting into my top two, and I have to say my top two was difficult. It's hard to pick just one. I am I am going to be like. Mark Wahlberg and the departed for the next couple of schools because these my blood boils when I think of these next two programs. I'm trying to have fun with this man. Understand. I'm trying my best to watch my language. My mother listens to this podcast. And oh, I don't know. And, and and I don't want her to think that her son is a heathen. She knows that I am, but I don't want her to think about it. So <laughs> number two on my list is Iowa basketball. And this has been true for a very, very long time. But let me start a little bit more recently. Bran is one of the only people who is more punchable than Frank Kaminsky. Like, just looking at Fran on the sidelines, he is the, like, if can I talk to your manager were took human manifestation it would be it would be Fran and furthermore let me be clear about something Iowa basketball has all the nepotism but 15% of the accomplishments of Iowa football it is so annoying watching Fran consistently run out son after son after son on this squad that is going to ostensibly never go anywhere because Fran is their coach. And if you want to talk about punchable players, see, this is where I I try my best to be even-handed. It's not just Fran's sons, but the Murray the Murray brothers are also quite worthy of a drop kick because they seem to have bought into the Fran mentality of basketball. So they are equally annoying and do not get me started on Luca Dam Garza. Look, I get it. He had a great last year at Iowa, but Io should have been Big Ten slash National Player of the Year. And that Frankenstein monster looking <laughs> mother father decided he was going to win the fan base. Oh, we love him. He's great. Yay. Luca Garza. You want to talk about punchable. Christian Leitner will make a documentary one day called I Hate Luca Garza. And let me get to the most important part of my Iowa hatred. Bruce Damn Pearl. You know, <laughs> my father 
passed away a few years ago, and he was a Baptist minister, and at his church, it was a classic Southern Baptist hellfire and brimstone church. No demon that my father talked about in the pulpit was coming for sinners could even come close to matching the satanic, in the, in the immortal words of my man, Sean Puff Daddy Combs, bitch assness of Bruce damn Pearl. Iowa basketball has been a thorn in my side for the entirety of my Illini fandom. So to hell with them and to hell with their damn friend patrolling the damn sideline. Oh, man. Plez, that was tremendous, tremendous stuff. Yeah. But my dad said the same thing. My dad was like, Every time you invoke the name of Bruce Pearl, you're going to see like a vein growing and growing and growing. Talking about, of course, that incident in the 80s where both Iowa and Illinois were recruiting Deion Thomas. He was a thorn in my dad's side for a long, long time. So I get that. I get the hate, especially if you're a fan of a certain age. Yeah, for sure. There's a great line from the West Wing where Toby Ziegler says, you're not the devil. You're the guy who goes out and gets the devil a pack of cigarettes. That's who Bruce Pearl is. All right. So my number two in our hate poll here in Oski Talk would be Michigan basketball. Uh, for a lot of the same reasons that we have disdain for Iowa basketball or some other schools that may yet to appear on this list. Uh, to me, that's Michigan I mean, there's literally a term for Michigan basketball fans called Walmart Wolverines. They just, they show up when football season's done and they have nothing else to do. And so then magically they'll come out of their little cocoons and they'll start talking about basketball. Man, Michigan basketball fans are annoying as hell. They love nothing more than to throw shade at Illinois and like, You've accomplished about as much in the last 20 years as Illinois has. Yes, you got to an Elite Eight uh, three or four years ago. Yes, you got to the national championship game in 2013. Like, cool. Um, but this is about what have you done for me lately. And what you've done for me lately is take L after L after L after L from Illinois. Brad Underwood is undamn defeated against the Michigan Wolverines. So contrary to what you might see from Michigan fans about how good they are, how they've run the Big Ten, how Illinois is a shit program or a poverty program, we got receipts. And Jawan Howard has yet to win a game against Brad Underwood and the Fighting Illini. I go back to that thing you mentioned, the incident with Krabenhoft a couple of years ago. Jawan Howard also had an incident with Mark Turgeon like the year before that, where Jawan Howard literally said he feared for his life. And maybe Joel Krabenhoft said some stuff that uh, he shouldn't have said. It's entirely possible that he did that. But you took a swing at an opposing coach. You tried to assail an opposing coach on the sideline after a game. It wasn't like 
in the tunnel, like out of public view. You did it while the CBS cameras were rolling during the handshake line after the game was over. Juwan Howard, you know, obviously knows how to recruit, but probably hasn't had the results that warrant the inflated egos of Michigan basketball fans. And on the topic of punchable faces, Hunter Dickinson, how you doing? Can't wait for you to get L number five in October when you come to Champaign for that exhibition game. Because believe me, we know you're keeping score and Illinois fans are damn sure keeping score. Um, So more so of the fan base, I guess would be the reason I have Michigan basketball as my number two on the hate poll. So a whole lot of people from Connecticut and New Jersey and New York are going to be very mad at your criticism of the University of Michigan because that is definitely where their fan base largely comes from. So I, I, I mean, I, I don't know if any of them even acknowledge that our podcast or our website or our or our university exists, but it does. So, so first of all. That's another pinky off the glass fan base, if we're being honest. And because, you know, to be a Michigan man, you have to be a certain kind of person. And, uh, you know, most of us from the south side of Chicago are not that kind of person. Um, so as far as Michigan basketball goes, when I was a young man growing up on the south side of Chicago, Juwan Howard went to Chicago Vocational High School where my mother was a teacher. And... The Fab Five played basketball like we played in the parks on the south side of Chicago, and they dressed like we dressed. They wore the baggy shorts, the Nike Air Max sneakers, the black Nike socks that we were wearing. They listened to the music that we listened to. I even I remember interviews in the Fab Five documentary, which is great. You know, talking about they listened to EPMD and Daz Effects. That was the hip hop that we were listening to in my friend circle. Having said that, that was 1993. Let's talk about right now. Jawan Howard feeling threatened by Mark Turgeon is S-A-W-F-T soft. Soft? Drew, Drew, how you doing? That is what that was. I am completely with you on this current era of Michigan basketball. Because you went from John Beeline who, let's be honest, did a good job rebuilding that program. And then Juwan Howard took over. And again, great, tremendous recruiter. His NBA ties, he's part of that Miami Mafia. But that program is underachieving. Michigan basketball in 2023 is becoming Nebraska slash Notre Dame slash University of Mississippi football. They don't really know what year it is. So... I am not mad at you for saying what you've said about Michigan basketball. Having said that, Ann Arbor, Michigan is one of the most beautiful cities in America. And much like Iowa City and Madison, Wisconsin, it is disgraced in this moment. It is shamed, (laughs) shamed by the bitch-assness of Coach Howard and this program. Like, this is Jalen Rose would punch Hunter Dickinson in the face in practice and not hesitate. So I don't I don't want to hear Hunter Dickinson's mouth. Now you're at Kansas. Have fun losing to Illinois in a charity game, you prick. Thinking about Hunter Dickinson gets me in the mood. So I I, I gotta go to my number one now, Drew. I'm I'm sorry. This 
Please, num- please, go ahead. My number one is controversial because it's not the kind of program that people usually hate on. And you talk about Michigan. And I'm going to the state of Michigan, but I'm going to a different school. I'm going to East Lansing, Michigan. My number one is Michigan State basketball. Now, I got to caveat this a little bit before I go into it. I have a lot of close friends, including one friend whose wedding I was in just in October, who are Michigan State alumni. I have childhood friends who went to Michigan State. And Tom Izzo is a legitimate, bona fide Hall of Fame coach. I would argue he's the greatest coach ever with only one national championship. He has made deep tournament runs, era after era after era. Tom Izzo is the real deal as a basketball coach, and I am not here to try to claim otherwise. But I'm sorry, this is a mix of fan base and program angst and Michigan State fans and the Michigan State basketball program are the dirt damn worst. And I'm going to tell you why. Oh, you got to show your work, Plez. I got to hear this. Okay. So, number one, let me be clear. You cannot legitimately blame the refs for every single game you lose. And this particular fan base whinges and whines and cries like forlorn children on Christmas Eve at every loss, like like St. Thomas of East Lansing couldn't possibly lose a game unless a corrupt referee was in the bag for the other team. And the funny thing is, it doesn't even matter who the other team is. The rainfall needed to cure all droughts in the continental United States could be fixed by Michigan State basketball fans tears after every single game they (laughs) lose they cannot stop now i'm gonna make this personal because tom Izzo loves to cry about his recruiting failures in one particular city drew what city do you think it is um i would say algonquin well, shout out to my homie Nate Jacobs, but no, it's not Algonquin. Go a little south um, of them. Uh, 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 Lockport. Okay, Lockport's a little too far south, but shout out to the homie Chris Fret from St. Ignatius College Prep. Great, great guy. Uh, no, not Lockport, but he complains about Chicago. Oh, Chicago. Yeah, that was my next guess. Yeah. That one, he complains about Chicago and how when you recruit in Chicago, you have to deal with a bunch of middlemen. Now, he said this after not landing Jabari Parker. To be fair, he didn't accuse the Parker family of any kind of wrongdoing, which is good because Jabari because Jabari Parker's family is the upstanding of the family as you'll meet. So I won't accuse him of that, but. As I'll get to in a moment, maybe Tom Izzo should think about some of his own players 
and their moral misgivings and skip the middleman in Chicago whining. Uh, let's let's uh, let's make this Illini related right now because there's something important that we all remember. Do you remember that Illinois Michigan State game, Drew, where Matty Sissoko hit Ayo Dosumu in the face and concussed him and broke his nose? Oh, you mean just just a regular hard foul? Why are we crying about it? Just a regular hard foul? Yeah, I might remember that. Yeah, I think so. I'm referring to that one. Now, I'm not here trying to accuse Matty Sissoko of being a dirty player. I'm not trying to accuse Tom Izzo of sending a goon out onto the court to injure the other team's best player. What I'd like to talk about is the way Tom Izzo butchered Io's name when telling the story of this particular incident. He had the unmitigated temerity to call him Aya DeSuma. Now, let me tell you why that bothers me so much. It's not just that you that you mispronounced the name of a guy who was going to be a first-team damn All-American, and if you watched film on Illinois, that's the guy you're focusing on. So you mispronounce his name. You are definitely doing that on purpose to disrespect him and to other him. I would be willing to bet that if you ask Tom Izzo to pronounce Georgie Bajanashvili, he could do it with no hesitation. But Tom Izzo decided to other the kid with the Nigerian name. And that bothers the hell out of me. He's a first-team All-American, and you're going to disrespect him by not learning to pronounce his name. That is sickening, and I have I have no patience for that. But there's another thing about Tom Izzo. Let's have a little conversation about Tom Izzo, ace recruiter. One of the big Michigan State fluffer fan arguments about Tom Izzo is that Tom Izzo does more with less talent. He doesn't get the guys that Krzyzewski got or the guys uh, that Calipari got. Yeah. He does more with less talent. You bitches. Let me be <laughs> clear about this. He didn't, he didn't do well with top talent because he couldn't get them. Because they said no. And when those East Lansing ass clowns decided they're going to say, well, that's because those players aren't real. They're not tough. They don't want to play for a tough coach. Let me remind you that Jabari Parker and Jalil Okafor, two of the players that fan base whinges about the most, went to play for a West Point graduate Bobby Knight disciple. So don't tell me they don't want to get coached hard. You're just mad because you couldn't get them. And the last point I want to make about St. Thomas of East Lansing is the <laughs> he recruits these high-character, good guys, good program guys who make a basketball program easy to root for. These are good people. Oh, like, like the face of basketball at the time is Omatine, please. The guy who just recently stood trial for sexual assault, the, the guy who – even though he was acquitted, let me be clear, there is video of him physically restraining the woman he was accused of assaulting. So 
he may not be guilty, but he certainly wasn't as innocent. And there's video to prove it. So let's go back to another incident from high character coach and recruiter Tom Izzo. Let's talk about Miles Bridges, who was suspended for 82 of 82 games last season in the NBA for beating his wife in front of his children. Yeah, there's another high character program guy that Tom Izzo recruited. Um, let's also talk about Adrian, the late Adrian Payne. I'm not here to make light of his death, but in 2010, Adrian Payne, you know, during the Dr. Larry Nasser era of Michigan State athletics, was accused of sexually assaulting a young student at her freshman orientation. But it was with another player on the Michigan State roster. Can you guess who that player was? Uh, you got me. Got me. It was known great high character player Keith Appling, who is currently serving, I think, 18 to 40 years because of a homicide that he was involved in. So high character coach and high character recruiter Tom Izzo, who whines and whinges about the character of middlemen in Chicago, coached an actual damn murderer. So don't tell me that St. Thomas of East Lansing is a great person when these are the people he's getting out there. And don't get me started on the former Tom Izzo player who punched a teammate in the face in practice and ruined a championship team's potential chemistry. Don't get me started on that. So Michigan State basketball, because of their fans' unwillingness to acknowledge that their coach is an imperfect vessel and their constant whining like spoiled damn children about every little game that they lose, are the most detestable program in the entire Big Ten footprint. Oh, well, I mean, you certainly bring up some good points there, Plez, no doubt about that. Um, did not know about a lot of those other off-the-field things. I knew about the Mateen Cleave stuff, but yeah, so oh, it makes a lot of sense. So I, I, I think we're, we're nearing the end of this list here. Got my number one, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad that Brant's not here because we'd probably be talking about this for four more hours. But we do have the same number one on our hate poll, and that would be the Candy Stripers of Indiana University basketball. Again, this is dating back to years and years and years. You know, my dad railing against Bobby Knight, you know, watching those great Indiana teams. But you want to talk about a delusional fan base as well. IU basketball and Nebraska football. It's like the Spider-Man meme where they point at each other. It's the same thing. They're the exact same program. Like Pam from the office saying, it's the same picture. That's what it is. IU basketball and Nebraska football are paralleling right now. They love to talk. It's like the St. Louis Cardinals. They love to talk about their rings and how many championships they've won. And then it's like, oh, yeah, we're just going to leave out the fact that we haven't won any of that stuff since like 1987 when I was two years old. We're just going to forget about that part and say, oh, count the rings, count the rings. Like, 
What have you done for me lately? What have you done? You had a nice run in the, the mid-aughts or early aughts with Kareen. You had a, a couple of good teams. At one point, they were number one in the country. But you know, Bob Knight, Hall of Fame coach, one of the winningest coaches of all time. He's got some issues, right? He's got some things where his fluffers will come out of the woodwork and talk about him, to steal your term. Uh, like, how dare you besmirch the great name and integrity of Robert Montgomery Knight? How dare you do that? Well, I mean, he's literally on camera, like, choking a player, but, you know, that's... The player must have deserved that. that. That's just hard coaching. You just can't, you can't coach kids hard anymore. Whatever. Um, and then you had uh, the Kelvin Sampson stuff. And uh, Eric Gordon, remember that? Remember that? When uh, it was like done deal, signed, sealed, delivered, he's going to Illinois. And then like Kelvin Sampson hired his fucking dad as like an assistant coach <laughs> or something. Like I think Kelvin Sampson hired into his staff or something like that. Just in time, just conveniently right before signing day. And then uh, Tom Crean, you know, did an okay job early on, turning it around. Then fan base soured because he's not winning enough. You sound like Nebraska talking about Bo Pelini. Oh, he only goes nine and three every year. We can't have that. That's not good enough. We got to get this idiot out of the way. And then you hire... And then you hire Archie Miller. Archie Miller. Oh, my God. I mean, you kind of reap what you sow, is all I'm saying. Um, now you're doing the gritty. Right? We've evolved. What are we talking about? Illinois doesn't talk about, we've got five national championships in football. Kiss our rings. It's from like 1951. But we're not talking about that. Illinois is not recruiting the football team with, hey, we've got five national championships. Your great, great grandparents were in school when we won them, but still, like, it's just annoying. Like, it's like, seriously, Indiana basketball has no grip on reality. And I lived in Indianapolis for a long time. Probably 75% of the people that I met that identified as IU fans were Notre Dame football fans because IU football wasn't good enough and then IU basketball fans. So they just don't have a grip on reality for me. Miss me with this blue blood shit that, well, you're not a rival. Why would Illinois consider themselves a rival of Indiana? They haven't achieved anything like Indiana's achieved. Like, you're talking about shit that happened before you were born. So just... Miss me with that and go Google Susanna Hoffs, you fucking pricks. Wow. Shout out for the Susanna Hoffs reference. I'm, I'm here in Minneapolis right to say Prince loves Susanna Hoffs. So I just want to mention that. I don't disagree with you about IU basketball. I, I, I want to be clear that there's a reason we love Chester Frazier so much. And it's not his consistent three-point shooting throughout his career at Illinois. It's, I know how, he re it's how he reacted to Eric Gordon. That was a a <laughs> yes. thing of absolute petty beauty that I will never, ever forget. So I, I don't disagree with you. The first college basketball game I ever watched was the Keith Smart game. So when I, when I look at Indiana University, I think, okay, 
thank you for giving us Julie DeCaro and, and Mark Cuban. I, I appreciate that. But as far as Illinois, as, as far as Indiana basketball, Nebraska football is a really good comparison for the level of delusion and uh, short-term memory loss for, let's say, the last 35 years. So deal with who you genuinely are, not who you used to be. Um, so yeah, just another example of just the the pomposity of that fan base, the self-importance of Indiana basketball fans. So that's going to round out our, our hate poll. Pleas and I are discussing that here on Oski Talk. Uh, I don't know if we expected to talk for that long, but hey, you get revved up, you get fired up, and you talk about some stuff maybe a little bit longer than you want to. But uh, one an, another reminder that Oski Talk is presented by Liddyville LLC. You can get officially licensed merchandise to support Illini athletes and alumni. Go to liddyville.com. Sign up to be a member. You can get special perks on orders. You can customize orders. And again, you can support multiple teams, not just football or basketball. And there's some player-centric stuff there as well. So go to liddyville.com, check them out, and start saving on those orders. Um, so one more quick football thing before we try to wrap up the show, Plez. Um, Illinois did get a, a late recruit over the weekend, adding to the the class of 2024, and that would be Josiah Knight. So, Plez, you're one of our recruiting gurus. Was this something in your crystal ball, or uh, what do you have uh, to say about Josiah Knight joining Champagne? I leave the crystal balls for the guys who are good at that stuff. But <laughs> Josiah Knight is a really good get. He's a top 1,000 kid out of Tallahassee. He's a big physical edge rusher with good twitch, good speed. Uh, shout out to the dynamic duo of Terrence Jameson and Charlie Bullen. Jameson took a lot of flack last year for whiffing on Trey Pierce and Jamel Howard, but they're building that, that D-line slash edge rusher room really well. Charlie Bullen is an impact guy on the recruiting trails, and he, and he was a big part of that recruitment, uh, Illinois beat out Georgia Tech for Josiah Knight. That edge rusher room at Illinois is just absolutely stacked with talent. Like we don't talk about Jared Beatty very often, but that was a huge recruiting win for the Illini. And he's not even going to be yeah. needed this year because of Alec Bryant, uh, Seth Coleman, and uh, Super Swole Man, aka Gabe Ackes, who's <laughs> Just a yeah. physical freak of nature that can't be described. So another good get for the Alina. They also recently got Joe Barna out of Wheaton. So they're really restocking that room with guys who are edge guys now who could potentially bulk up to be DNs. So another great get for Brett Bielema and his staff and Charlie Bullen as a first-time college coach, first-time recruiter. He's out here doing some work. So be excited about him. Yeah, absolutely. Josiah Knight, a 6'4", 235, as you said, a combo linebacker, edge rusher. You know, have to get some weight put on him for sure. You know, but that's that's what Big Ten weight rooms are for. That's what strength and conditioning coaches are for. But to your point about Charlie Bullen, he's coming in with an NFL pedigree. This is sort of his maiden voyage as a college recruiter and assistant coach. You know, remember, we we expected this type of stuff when Lovey Smith was here. Right. 
because he had just, you know, going down the line, this dossier, this Rolodex of former NFL players that he had coached that then became coaches. And that was sort of the idea was we're going to win these recruits because shit, we've got eight assistant coaches that played in the NFL, you know, Donnie Abraham and I, I uh, Hardy Nickerson, obviously, because his kid went to Illinois that last season, just to name a few guys that didn't really pan out, but that's the kind of stuff you're looking at. And you, you've mentioned Charlie Bowen's credentials before, like you're coaching Hassan Reddick. That dude's pretty good. Chandler yeah. Jones is another Chandler Jones. That, yeah. Another guy like, Oh yeah. Yeah. My, those, those, yeah, my, yeah. Chandler Jones might be the hall of fame one day. Right. Oh, I coached that guy. Like I didn't yeah. teach him everything he knows, but yeah, I, I coached that guy. So get with me, get like me and you know, you might be in pretty good shape for the future. So Charlie Bowen's just doing tremendous stuff. It feels like Brett Bielma, like, has he missed on an assistant coach yet? Tony Peterson was a whip. Oh yeah. Um, well, yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. that, that, that was, that was one. The other coach that people thought was a whiff was Andy Boo, but he has been far from a whiff. He has been a home run hire, great coach, great teacher, great recruiter. So even when people think he's wrong, Brett Beal, it's like the line, the line from, I I think, I can't remember if it's Donnie Brasso or Goodfellas. Wise guy's always right, even when he's wrong. That's Brett Beal, though, when it comes to coaching staff. Yeah. Between, Last season and this off season, I completely forgot about Tony Peterson. Like, holy yeah. shit. Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of the one blemish on that whole thing. But every other assistant coach just feels like it's been a home run hire. Like he's got connections. He knows what to do. Hey, we lose our, we lose Ryan Walters, our defensive coordinator. Like no worries. We'll just promote this guy and we'll promote this guy. And Oh, by the way, I'll give Jim Leonard a call. He's looking for a job. Yeah. Let's see what he wants to do. Oh my God. This guy, Charlie Bowen, who's coached in the NFL on defensive lines. Well, to see what he wants to do. Oh, this guy who was an offensive line coach at Air Force, a team that runs the football a zillion times a game in Bart Miller. What does bring him in? Like his network is strong. Brett Bielman just has this shit figured out and he is really shedding new light on this program. Like he's putting a spotlight on Illinois football that we haven't had in what a decade and a half. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Man. I, I wrote a column about this last year when Illinois, when the Illinois job came available, my preferred list was Luke fickle, even though I knew he was never Luke fickle is a shock of smart of football. Like you always want him, but you know, he's not really going to come here. So like it was Luke fickle, Clark Lee, Marcus Freeman. That was essentially those are the guys I wanted. And when and when Bielema's name came up, I was like, no, this is a horrible idea. This is not gonna work. But then you see Bielema, the job that he's done, it's like, oh, this is a Big Ten football coach. Like this is the definition of a Big Ten football coach. And Illinois is, is you know, the, the definition of a classic Big Ten program and a good one. So I am I take back all my doubt. And again, Liddyville can become reality because Brett Bielema replaced Lovey Smith and not, you know, Lance Leifold is a good coach. Like he's, he's a damn good coach. And if, and if he comes to Illinois, Illinois probably would have gotten better. Like no shade on him, but he isn't Brett Bielema. Like he, 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 
personality wise, he's not he's not Coach B at all. Yeah, I, I I've said that a couple of times since he took over the job. It's like, okay, like I I get it now. We mentioned the trust thing. Like you don't know you can trust somebody until you trust them. I yeah. trust Coach Bielema now. Dude knows what he's doing. He knows how to play the recruiting game and the social media game, and knows how to surround himself. If we're going back to your uh, when we talked about your your article, the Champagne Room, a little earlier, you know, he knows how to surround himself with talent on the coaching staff that can bring in talent on the football field, and it's coming together very, very nicely. I know expectations are high. I still don't know how I feel about that. Not used to it. You know, because we're Illinois fans and we don't get nice things very often. All right, Plez, we're just about to wrap things up. So as we tend to do during the season, we will spotlight the Illini of the week. Now, of course, we were in the offseason. There wasn't a lot of actual game action happening. But the academic year, fast approaching, the athletic year has already started. And... Got to give some love this week to Illini Soccer. The women hitting the pitch on the 17th. That was the first official game of the new athletic calendar. And they were victorious in their matchup against Loyola. Won 3-2 on Thursday. And Illinois needs, needs some good vibes, right, going into the season. And always starting off the season with a win is a great thing. So they beat Loyola 3-2 to on Thursday in their home opener. And if nothing else, it's a signal that we are ready for a brand new season. It's not tackle football. It's, you know, European football. But it's a sign that we are here and we're about to get things rolling hot and heavy, Plez. I am so excited for another athletic slash academic season. I'm excited for all the freshmen who are who are coming to U of I for the first time, who get to experience it for their first time. It's going to be a really, really fun year for you. Congratulations to the soccer team for beating, uh, obviously, an in-state rival, a, uh, a school. Incidentally, St. Ignatius College Prep, the original location was, uh, or sorry, the original location of Loyola University is what's now St. Ignatius College Prep, which is why on the facade of the building, it says St. Ignatius College. But, um, this was as close to a get back for that NCAA tournament game years ago. Um, <laughs> so uh, the uh, the center the center from Loyola's basketball team that year, um, his name is slipping my mind right now. Cameron Crutwig. Crutwig. Yeah, there you go. My he cousin, like a goddamn HVAC repairman. <laughs> so during the game, my cousin was texting me. Who is this great value, Nikola Jokic, who is dominating <laughs> Kofi? This should not be happening right now. <laughs> Such a great yeah. example, though. It really is. Yeah, yeah. So, but a, but a great win and hopefully the, a great start to a great season for the University of Illinois. I'm, again, get hyped, stay hyped for this season. You could say we are lit for the season to begin, right? Yeah, we are. Plez Honeywood, thank you so much for the time as always, man. Always a great time chopping it up with you, talking about Illini football, basketball, the teams we hate, the players and coaches we want to throw off a bridge, or, you know, whatever. Uh, if you missed anything from the show, you can get previous episodes at thechampagneroom.com and uh, subscribe to Oski Talk wherever you get your podcasts. 
We are less than two weeks away from Illinois friggin' football, man. Holy smokes. I just want to burst at the seams. I'm like, I want this so badly, especially the last year of the Big Ten West. Like, let's go. Let's get it. Let's get that banner. Let's get that chip. Just keep this thing moving. Keep that momentum moving forward. And I think we're all going to be pretty happy. I, I think it certainly looks that way. I'm excited about the trajectory of this season. There are some tough games, but man, it's so gratifying when you win a tough one. And yeah, I'm, I am excited about this season and you'll know, check out my column every Friday day before games. I'm going to be trying to get you guys as hyped as I am for every single week of the season. I look forward to sharing that experience with all of you out there. So thank you for, for joining us this week. I really appreciate it. Yeah, that's right. So starting for football season, Plez will be doing the lead-ins on Fridays, and then Brant will be doing his sort of post-mortems, his recaps on Sundays. He's got his Sunday column at the Champagne Room every week as well. So don't want to forget about that. Make sure you follow us on the socials as well, and we'll do this again. We'll run it back next week. Plez, thanks so much. ILL. I and I.